Hello and welcome. My name is Joe O'Mara. I'm the Head of Aviation Finance with KPMG. And on behalf of KPMG and Airline Economics, I'm delighted to be joined by Joe McCollum. Joe is a partner and the Deputy Co-Chief Investment Officer with Castle Lake. Joe is joining us for the purposes of our Aviation Leaders Report. And I should say we are recording this on the 9th of December. Joe, thanks so much for joining us. Before we get into the meat of the discussion, do you want to tell our watchers a little bit about Castle Lake and their involvement in the aviation sector? Sure. Well, thank you, Joe. I really appreciate you having us here, and I'm looking forward to the conversation. Castle Lake is a $20 billion alternative investment firm. We really focus on investing in hard assets, which generate a lot of contractual cash flows. And we do this in three core sectors. Aviation is really how our firm got started back in 2005. We've now committed to deploy over $20 billion in capital in aviation, really across the capital structure and across all parts of the asset structure within aviation. In real assets, we invest in both Europe and North America in real estate. And finally, in specialty finance, we provided a lot of capital to consumers in small to medium-sized businesses. Thanks for that, Joe. And a huge breadth of activity there, which we'll kind of touch on as we go through the discussion. Maybe to start, we've seen a very strong recovery in, uh, over the course of 2022. Can you talk to us about kind of what opportunities uh, you're seeing in the market at the moment? And maybe okay. also touch on, are we seeing kind of startups as well as uh, within that recovery? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 2022 has been a great year for aviation. And if you take a step back, I think it's important to understand how capital intensive this industry is. We believe there's about $1.5 trillion of assets in aviation. There's about a trillion dollars of aircraft and then $500 billion of other assets, including loyalty programs, slots, gates, and routes, spare parts and engines, and other assets. And this industry requires over $100 billion of capital every single year just for new deliveries. And coming out of the pandemic, we believe that the landscape has changed quite a bit. You want to invest in aviation when both the assets or the aircraft are undersupplied and also when capital is undersupplied. And we believe that both of those things are true today. On the asset side, coming through the pandemic, we believe that over 10% of the global fleet will be retired. Heading into the pandemic, the global fleet was as old as it had ever been. Aviation had a 10-year bull run. And what happened was airlines held onto aircraft much longer than planned because the revenue environment was really favorable and because the OEMs were having some production issues. When the pandemic hit, airlines started rapidly retiring aircraft. So we believe about 10% of the global fleet is going to be retired here as a result of that pandemic. At the same time, on the new production side, OEMs are dealing with some production issues. And if you take 2018 run rate, as the baseline, since then, OEMs have underproduced by about 2,200 aircraft. That's another 10% of the global fleet. So in effect, the global fleet today is about 15 to 20% smaller than it would have been if the OEM production issues and pandemic never occurred. So supply is down a lot. On the demand side, we're seeing a lot of pent-up demand from passengers around the world. Airlines are now back to about 87% of pre-COVID flying. We believe once China reopens next year, most likely, that will release another 74 million passengers to the global market. You're going to continue to see more demand for flying. Yet the OEM production issues aren't going to solve themselves 
overnight or really over the next 12 to 24 months. So we believe aircraft will continue to be undersupplied. Lease rates are firming. You're now pretty much back to pre-COVID lease rates. We believe that will continue. Inflation could be a potential tailwind here as well. It shouldn't really be your base case in terms of underwriting aircraft residuals, but inflation could be an upside. We do believe these are inflationary assets. And so you really need to ask yourself, given some of those tailwinds, how can you take advantage of this asset class and this opportunity set? And Castle Lake's approach is really by going to market and trying to be a really creative capital partner to airlines, leasing companies, and OEMs. And over the last 17 years, we've developed five different products for our aviation partners to provide them with the right cost and type of capital to meet their capital needs. Not every capital need is the same. And so today we have an ability to provide attractively priced and creative capital for new aircraft, both in terms of sale leasebacks as well as secondary trading. And we do that through Castle Lake Aviation Limited, which is our corporate recourse structure on its way to being investment grade rated. We can also trade and buy midlife aircraft through a different pool of capital in our value funds. We've also developed a direct lending business. We were the first to do this back in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic, where we have now provided almost $5 billion of direct lending capital. This is typically senior secured investment grade risk to both airlines and leasing companies. We will continue to grow that direct lending business. More recently, we launched and developed Itasca Reef. This is an reinsurance business that allows for us to provide really attractive the price cost of capital debt to airlines and leasing companies. And finally, we have a credit opportunities business, which covers the other $500 billion of the market, the loyalty programs, the slot gates and routes, exit finance, financings for airlines. And so our approach to this industry is to go out to all the airlines, leasing companies and OEMs and find a way to provide them with the right cost of capital and pinpoint really what are the right assets and parts of the world that we wanted to play capital in. And today we're seeing a lot of opportunity just given how undersupplied aircraft are and also how undersupplied capital is. And on that opportunity side, um, when you look at the airline piece of it, Joe, um, are, are we seeing startups come in? Like, like I know, we, you know we've seen the demand for Lyft, as you say, come back really, really strong. Are we, are we seeing kind of opportunities <clears throat> with, with, with new players for you? Yeah, we are. We are. Um, you will always have startups in aviation. It's a constant. Um, there's always somebody crazy enough out there to go out and start a new airline. Running an airline is a really tough business. Um, and some of those startups have been really successful over time, but far more of them have, have not worked out. So you will continue to see startups. There's been a lot of consolidation on the airline side. And given the amount of yield that airlines are able to generate right now in the market in terms of airfares, I think there is an opportunity today for a startup to be successful, but it, it, it's a high risk bet. Um, and we typically like to invest with airlines that have developed a really stable business model within each region of the world. So, Joe, we talked a lot on the opportunity side there. We're also in a time of very significant uncertainty. So we look at the geopolitical environment with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. We also think about the macroeconomic environment with interest rates, inflation, U.S. dollar oil. Can you talk to us about how those challenges are impacting on your aviation business? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I touched on many of the tailwinds that the industry is benefiting from earlier in terms of aircraft undersupply and capital undersupply. Uh, the airlines are, are frankly facing a pretty tough macro today. Um, inflation is creating a lot of cost, cost pressure for them, not just in terms of oil prices, but also labor, 
uh, costs in other other parts of their business. Spare parts costs are going up rapidly. Um, and so uh, managing an airline is a tough business, we believe, in any macro environment. There's constant volatility in aviation. If you're not comfortable with a little bit of volatility, you probably shouldn't invest in aviation. But the thing we love about this asset class is that because airlines run a pretty volatile business model and profits at the airline level are pretty volatile, they've been ascribed a higher cost of capital over time. Yet the underlying asset values in this industry are pretty stable and resilient. You've got a duopoly on the production side and passenger demand has grown at one and a half times GDP over the last 70 years. Asset values, which really secure or collateralize your investments in this industry are pretty stable. In terms of today and what we're thinking about the macro, we're pretty concerned. Um, there's a real question around how long airlines can charge $1,000 or $1,500 for a two to three hour economy flight. Um, is that just pent up demand and revenge travel or is that the new normal and people will continue to pay that amount of money for the next few years until oil and other costs come down. So there's a real question around the revenue environment and how long that persists. And then with interest rates being higher and FX um, for any airline really outside the US, they're facing FX pressures today. Europe is rather concerning right now. That would probably be top of mind for us really across all of our businesses and just in terms of the European economy and uh, what's happening there. And so we are constantly keeping a close eye on all these macro factors. But our job is not to be a macroeconomist. We focus every day on buying high quality aircraft at the right price. And maybe shifting gears a little bit onto the capital market side, Joe, and, and with a particular focus on aviation ABS, an area you guys have played very heavily in, you reopened the market effectively back in 21, but an area that is very subject to sentiment, like any capital markets. Can you talk about uh, your perspectives on where aviation ABS currently sits? We know the ABS market well. Um, we are the largest, well, we were the largest issuer and servicer in that market. We're still the largest servicer today. Um, this was a very attractive financing tool for a long time. Um, it still is today if the debt was appropriately priced. Now, the problem here is that pre-COVID, there was a ton of uh, capital that rushed into aviation. There were over 50 leasing startups and they all had money to spend. Uh, underwriting standards became rather loose. And we believe that incentives became misaligned in many cases. And there were very small teams managing large pools of aircraft um, because all the aircraft were on lease. You didn't need a large technical team or servicing team. The pandemic changed that. Uh, it exposed many of the flaws that had developed over 2018 and 2019. And the challenge today is many of the portfolios that are outstanding have real cash flow issues. 20, 30, 40% of the aircraft off lease in some structures. And some trust has been lost in this marketplace in terms of do the debt investors really trust that the incentives are aligned? Um, some of that trust was lost through the pandemic and, and to this day. And so the challenge today is much of the secondary debt is trading at large, uh, really high spreads. Um, and so you need that to normalize. You need these portfolios to start performing better for that ABS market to reopen. We saw some of these cracks form in 2020 and 2021, and we pivoted. And so we launched Castle Lake Aviation Limited in the fourth quarter of 2021. Castle Lake Aviation Limited allows for us to continue taking advantage of an attractive opportunity set on the buy side and to fund it through debt financing issued in the unsecured market, term loan B, 
private placement recourse market. We're not dependent on the ABS market anymore. We pivoted, and so we feel very good about our debt funding and ability to continue to deploy capital and, and finance it attractively. And that, that alternative lending, as you say, which, which you moved into a little while ago, <laughs> you see that being a continuing trend. You're not alone now. We've seen other you know, similar private equity kind of lending platforms. Do you, yeah, do you see it being a continuing trend? And just how big of a market do you think that might become? Yeah, it's a great question. We. We've seen this in other asset classes really over the last decade. Bank retrenchment, bank disintermediation, alternative lenders quickly growing. It started really in the middle market corporate lending space. It's now making its way into asset-backed lending markets. Aviation is a perfect example of that happening real time. And in aviation, again, you've got over $100 billion of new deliveries in a normal year. Historically, two-thirds of that was financed by banks and capital markets. We believe that bank lending capacity in aviation today is down 30 or 40%, especially if it's non-recourse. Capital market activity in aviation this year is down 90% compared to last year. And so this industry needs alternative forms of capital, more creative forms of capital from partners that really understand how to effectively structure uh, and execute on these transactions with real credibility. And so we do believe that alternative lending is really in the first inning maybe for aviation. We think it will continue growing rather rapidly. And we have our direct lending business as well as Itascaree, which I mentioned earlier, to really help airlines and leasing companies finance their businesses and portfolios at attractive uh, cost of debt financing with structures that are really tailored to their needs. And you mentioned kind of the asset class of aviation there. Can I get your thoughts, given the breadth Castle has and the investors you guys would regularly talk to, can you talk to me a little bit of aviation as an asset class is perceived, particularly interested post-pandemic, right? So we come through a huge challenge, which has shown, <laughs> but shown volatility, as you've talked about. Then we probably had an outsized impact by Russia. So very curious as to when you go to investors now, are they saying aviation not for me or are they still quite open to it? Yeah, look, the last two and a half to three years haven't been easy, right? Um, this industry and everybody involved in it has gone through a really uh, tough stretch um, in terms of managing your portfolio and helping airlines and, and just dealing with a whole lot of issues that, you know, you haven't dealt with that many times in your career. Um, but if you take a step back again and you look at what this industry has gone through, a pandemic where about 90% of the global fleet was grounded overnight, followed by a war where over 500 aircraft were confiscated. And lease rates and aircraft values are back to pre-pandemic levels. And um, many of the leasing companies, at least the really high quality ones, have actually been able to generate positive performance through that period of time. Um, we believe that this event, number one, really differentiates between the servicing teams and leasing companies that you should feel comfortable investing with and those that maybe weren't built for the volatility, but also really reinforces our investment thesis for this asset class. The thing we love about aviation here is there's two components of return in aviation compared to other asset classes. Um, these assets don't appreciate. They depreciate. So the first component of return is you need to plan for a lot of depreciation. The second one is to offset that. You get a lot of current yield. And so the thing we really like about aircraft is you can generate high current yields to pay down your basis quickly, 
And if something goes wrong, which there is volatility in aviation, if you've got a big enough team, you can step in and take that plane and fly it to a part of the world where an airline wants to lease it. Now, the pandemic was tough because you didn't have anywhere to go. It was a global pandemic. But in most cases, you're able to move the aircraft around the world. So we think that the, the last few years have been hard. But overall, we think that it actually reinforces the attractiveness of this asset class uh, for certain investors that can show a real positive performance through that period of time. And that probably feeds into maybe the macro leasing environment, Joe. We've seen, you know, and I'm sure you guys would have seen this, a deepening of relationships between airlines and lessors over the course of the pandemic, where they were crucial to survival. We've seen that 50% threshold breached uh, by number of aircraft and value too, given that the new the new aircraft being more funded by lessors. Can I get your thoughts as to whether that is a long-term and sustainable shift? or as and maybe when airline uh, balance sheets recover, we might see it backward tick. Yeah, I think the trend line has been rather uh, consistent and predictable here. Um, I think you go back 10, 20 years and it was down at 25, 30% leasing share. It's gone up almost every single year since then to now exceed 50%. Uh, I think that that will continue increasing. Um, I think there is absolutely an upper limit on it on 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 the leasing market share probably around 60 or 65 percent uh is is most airlines want to have a balanced funding structure they want to have a mix between owned aircraft and um and leased aircraft and now accounting rules have changed so now all leases are capitalized so there isn't a real benefit to an off uh, balance sheet lease but, but just from a capital structure management perspective, airlines want that flexibility. And through the pandemic, uh, leasing companies proved to be rather flexible providers of capital and that we worked with airlines. We provided them with deferrals um, and we helped them restructure their liabilities real time. If airlines had 100% of their capital um, from, from banks, uh, banks typically aren't as flexible as a leasing company would be. So uh, we do think there is there is room for for growth here in the industry, probably up to 60 to 65 percent. And and then it'll probably uh, cap out there. Yeah, and I think that's that's consistent with, I think, as you say, the longer term trend line, also consistent with all the conversations, to be honest, I've, I've been having over the last few weeks on, on that matter. You guys are a very large lessor. You talk to the the the, the size of the fleet that you have. Scale in any sector, in any business, can be very important. Do you get a sense that the importance of scale in aircraft leasing has actually increased? Um, would really be interested in your thoughts around that. Yeah, I think it has for a few reasons. Um, number one, as I mentioned, uh, some of some of the um, participants of this industry uh, didn't have a great experience through the pandemic and over the last few years. And I think when we speak to um, lenders and debt investors, which account for two thirds of the capital needed to buy a plane, uh, they uh, are more focused than ever on lending to high quality leasing companies and servicing teams that have a strong track record. And so I think investors ability to continue funding their business with attractively cost, uh, attractively priced capital, uh, is going to really be correlated with your scale and track record. Um, the second uh, reason why I believe scale really matters here um, is because airlines want to work uh, with fewer counterparties. 
and they want to work with leasing companies that helped them through the pandemic. Leasing companies uh, and aircraft investors that are creative, that can help them solve complex problems. Not every airline just wants to run a sale leaseback RFP and uh, get the lowest lease rate factor from any leasing company or investor in the world. I think airlines through the pandemic realized that they have partners in terms of leasing companies that are not just there to make money and not help them out in tough times. And um, that is a big uh, point that we're focused on every single day. We want to continue scaling. We want to remain uh, a preferred capital provider to airlines and leasing companies. And we do that through multiple different funding structures. And our ability to offer capital in five different ways, we believe makes us a better partner to those airlines to help them solve their complex capital structure uh, issues. And, and I guess, Joe, the, the corollary to that is you'd say, if scale is more important and you need to be big uh, to, as you say, access on the debt side, attract the right investors, engage with the right airlines, it would, in, it would imply that you're probably going to see a bit more consolidation in the sector. Is that what you'd expect to happen over the kind of coming 12, 24 months? Yeah, you've seen it over the last few years. Uh, you're going to continue to see it. Um, there will be more M&A. As I mentioned, there were 50 leasing startups in the few years leading up to the pandemic. I'm not sure how many of them will continue to grow on the other side of the pandemic. And so you're going to see a lot of consolidation in that market. Um, I think some of the most aggressive buyers of aircraft pre-pandemic uh, were Chinese leasing companies, which were asked by their government to go and invest in offshore U.S. dollar assets. Policy in China has changed. They're now focused onshore, and they're trying to reduce exposure to U.S. dollar assets. And so you're going to see consolidation in that part of the market. Um, and then I do believe that there are a number of medium-sized leasing companies that through this pandemic have just made the decision that they don't want to grow anymore. And if you're not growing in this business, um, what you uh, typically figure out pretty quickly is that it's probably the right time to sell. And so I think you're going to see consolidation in, in many of those medium-sized leasing companies as well. And, and we, in addition to that consolidation, we, we still continue to see new entrants. But if scale becomes more important, you kind of think maybe barriers to entry get a little bit higher. Do you think we're going to see platforms of real new platforms of significant scale emerge in the coming years? Yeah, you will see a number of announcements. Um, I think that there are investors um, who have uh, who have paid close attention to aviation and have a lot of capital to deploy. And they think that there's a way for them to get involved in this industry by working with an existing pool of talent. Um, I think uh, the banks that typically provide large warehouses to those platforms uh, might not be as ready to provide those large warehouses. Um, as I mentioned, the capital markets and ABS markets uh, aren't really open today. And so I think funding those businesses from a debt perspective is gonna be more challenging than ever. And I think you're going to see uh, a number of those announcements, as you typically do, not actually result in anything a few years down the line, because there are high barriers to entry in this industry. Um, debt funding costs uh, really are correlated tightly with your scale and your ability to execute with an airline 
uh, is correlated with your scale because the airlines don't just want to do two or three aircraft at a time in most cases. They want to do 10 or 15. They want to have a counterparty that is credible, that can move quickly, that can be creative, and they can do things in scale. And so I do believe there will be some new entrants, uh, but what you're going to really see is the top 10 or 15 leasing companies continue to scale and increase their market share. And, and on the metal side, um, Joe, where is your focus in relation to the types of assets you're willing to fund? And I guess the natural answer is narrow body new tech, and I get why, right? <laughs> but 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 your thoughts around your thoughts around what assets you guys are looking at, maybe in addition to narrow body new tech, but but wider than that, I'd be really curious on your thoughts. Yeah, I think the easy answer is narrow body new tech. But uh, Castle Lake started in 2005 buying end of life aircraft and doing teardowns. Over the next five years, we started to evolve and migrate into the midlife sector. Over the last five years, uh, we've started to migrate into the new tech narrow body market. And the reason why is because we have been able to drive down our cost of capital over time, given our track record and credibility and the real size of our team. And so our focus today is on all asset types, all vintages and across the entire capital structure in terms of debt and equity for aircraft, as well as other assets in aviation. And that is really our competitive advantage here. We are an opportunistic investor. We've owned brand new midlife, end of life, wide body, narrow body regional jet. We have proprietary data on over 50% of the global fleet that we've underwritten over the last 17 years. We've owned over 600 planes. We've disassembled ourselves over 50 aircraft. And so we have a very foundational understanding of where aircraft price, trade, lease real time, both on the front end, as well as for 10, 15 and 20 year old aircraft. And our team understands how to manage midlife and end of life assets. And so our focus is on being the best capital provider possible to airlines and leasing companies. Building out into that, as you mentioned, the, the number of aircraft you've owned, you traded a lot of aircraft over the years. Can I get your perspective on the current trading environment and really how the inflationary environment and the demand piece is impacting on asset values? Yeah, the trading market is, has been really interesting in the last few years. Um, leading up to the pandemic, I'd say about 30 billion of aircraft traded every year. Um, and over the last two to three years, it's probably been five at most, $5 billion of aircraft trading a year. And that's related to um, OEM production issues. And so many of the large sellers or traders of aircraft aren't selling right now because they're behind on their growth targets. They need to deploy more capital. They don't want to shrink their balance sheets. Uh, and so as the OEMs start to increase the supply of new aircraft, which will take some time, you will see some of those larger leasing companies sell more aircraft. I think given some of the M&A activity that's occurred, you will see large portfolios of aircraft come out of that M&A activity. And I do believe um, that given the fact that the ABS market is closed, there's a much smaller pool of buyers. If you look at the period of 2018 and 2019, billions and billions of aircraft were sold through the ABS equity market into hedge funds. And uh, that market isn't open today. I don't know if it ever opens again. And uh, many of those new leasing startups that had warehouses don't have access to debt or equity uh, today. 
And so there are fewer buyers. So when this trading market does open up, which it will, and we'll get back to 30 billion of trading a year, we believe that those sellers of aircraft are looking for credible buyers today who have really committed debt and equity sources of funding um, to transact on time without having failed transactions. We've seen a lot of failed transactions over the last few years where LOIs are signed and uh, the transaction doesn't end up closing for a host of reasons. And so we do believe our credibility will be well-placed to buy a lot of aircraft as the trading market reopens. And you, you mentioned the OEMs and we, you, you've touched on the kind of supply chain and delay issues you've seen there. Um, can I get your thoughts on their current and planned production rates and just how big a concern it is, as you say, if you're a large leasing group, as you say, a multi-pronged aviation group that is focusing on growth, how much of a worry are those delays? Because you say it is kind of leading to a slightly dysfunctional market. Yeah, <laughs> this is a fun one because there's no right answer. Um, more production means more opportunity to finance those aircraft. Less production means higher values for your existing portfolio. We manage over 300 aircraft today. Every single one of them is out on lease. We don't have any available for lease and lease rates are firming. And so, you know, having the OEM production issues that we have today just means our current portfolio is worth more and more every day uh, as we do believe those values are rising. That said, we need the OEMs to start producing more planes. Both the airframe OEMs and the engine OEMs are facing some issues. We do believe those will normalize over time. The technology um, that they've come up with here is really valuable to the airlines in terms of fuel savings and range, but it's gonna take a few years. These supply chains are incredibly complex. And with new technology coming online, it's gonna be challenging for them to ramp up new supply uh, to the targets that they've set out. Uh, our base case is that they were under, that they will under deliver and that will continue to create an environment where existing aircraft values uh, are firm or rising given the undersupply of aircraft. Yeah, I think that's, again, I'd say a consistent view on some of the feedback we're hearing. Thanks again for all your insights. Really interesting stuff. In closing, can I ask you, um, you know, we talked about lots of opportunities there, uh, but an interesting market with a ton of uncertainty and those macro challenges. Kind of standing back, if you look into 2023, you know, your overall aviation business, when you assess things, what are your optimism levels like? Yeah, it's a, um, you never want to be too optimistic in aviation, uh, is you never know what's going to happen next. So the most important thing in this industry, if you want to make money over time, is you need to always have conservative underwriting and assume that there will be an event, a shock event at some point during your whole period. That is the most important thing in this business because it's very hard to predict out even six or 12 months in aviation. Things can change rapidly. That said, um, on the aircraft side, we're very optimistic. Uh, demand is firming. China is uh, yet to reopen when it does, that will be more demand for aircraft, both narrow body as well as now wide body values um, have firmed and will continue rising, we believe. On the airline side, we're a little more concerned. Uh, we think airlines are facing a really tough macro. There will be more bankruptcies. There will be more deferrals. There will be more issues uh, within airlines. And so that's just part of investing in aviation. And we're very comfortable with that. 
we focus again on buying really high quality assets. We want to create them at discounted values. And then we've got a great team that when those do, when those events do occur, the team steps in and we find a way to protect our asset value or our investors' capital. Well, Joe, I'm going to take that as a mostly optimistic note. <laughs> uh, I'd like to thank you for your insights today on behalf of KPMG and Ireland Economics and wish you and Castle Lake a very successful 2023. Thank you, Joe. It was great to see you. Take care. See you soon. Thank <music> you.